You've tuned into all things fine and gentry with the connoisseur, French Thompson, where consistently we bring you ideas, concepts, and exposure to thoughtful content, lifestyle enhancements, and opportunities to improve yourself and those around you. Thank you for tuning in and taking a listen to this week's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of All Things Fine and Gentry. This is the connoisseur of French Thompson. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you all for tuning in today. Look, guys, we are at the conclusion of our Extraordinary Gentleman series, and it has been awesome. But then before I do that, where are my manners? Welcome to all those that are joining today. If this is your first time, welcome to All Things Fine and Gentry. As the intro stated, this is a place where we kind of get together and share and talk and learn about ways to enhance our lifestyle, enhance the way that we uh, view the world and learn from others that are engaged with us. And this is your first time listening. Welcome. We would love for you to be a part of the the, uh, community. We call ourselves the connoisseurs. We would love for you to like, share, subscribe, rate, review, whatever those things you would like to do to be able to get this out into the world. It would be awesome and really appreciate it. So like I was saying, we are in the conclusion of our League of Extraordinary Gentlemen series, and it has been a great one this summer as we've been able to connect with so many great men who are doing it in uh, the world and in their individual um, realms. And today uh, will not disappoint as uh, my guest here actually was able to be blessed in the studio today. So uh, much more than just sitting across Zoom. So this has been great. But I have Mr. Stephen White. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, French. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm a, a connoisseur, and uh, but happy to be here in the studio. Uh, I feel like the bar was set pretty high oh, with on. that introduction, but I will definitely uh, work on not disappointing there. I, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with the studio. So, so being able to be here in person, I'm I'm kind of mesmerized. So there may be some moments where I kind of pause because I'm in awe of, oh, of the space. Oh. See, I, you know, Steve is the perpetual hype man. He just, it just <laughs> hypes you up consistently across here. So you know, uh, if if you hear me smack my teeth or roll my eyes, but well, I guess you can't hear me roll my eyes. But you 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 know where it's coming from. But all right, Steve. So as we typically do on the podcast, we give our guests an opportunity to kind of introduce themselves just high level. So kind of where are you from? Where did you go to school? You know, what did you study? And, you know, where do you live now? And, and what do you do? Kind of this high level. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so my name is Steve White, as French mentioned already. Um, I <clears throat> I've gone to or uh, I started off my career in human resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Well, way back when, actually, I, I began um, my love and desire for recruitment um, and human resources when uh, I had this uh, goal and, and dream of becoming a sports agent. So oh, I really? To become a sports agent. Um, I, I ended ended up uh, getting an internship with the with the Los Angeles Clippers oh. from originally from L.A. County. I uh, grew up in Long Beach. Now I live in Fort Worth, Texas, but. At the time, I got this internship with the LA Clippers. That was a fantastic opportunity for for me. Um, really got me closer to the dream of becoming a sports agent. I then uh, pivoted from that to uh, to making some deep connections yeah. uh, throughout my time uh, in my internship to becoming a sports uh, sports agent or working for a sports management firm. Right. Um, shortly after uh, the internship. Began that with a smaller boutique firm, pivoted from that to uh, to a, a larger firm, represented athletes, football players who are making the transition from it. college football to the NFL. Um, that was a bit much on the family, kind of mm. trying to, to to build that recruited recruiting athletes. We were, you know, we had some some good success, right? But uh, but it it just became a, a bit of a strain on the family, travel things like that. So that, that that's interesting. I want to kind of ask a couple of questions because you, you you filtered in there about the the connection in California and Long Beach and yep. things like that. And I know as we've had discussions, you spent, you know. <laughs> Because of where you grew up, right? Poly, you know, Long Beach Poly High, Beach, you Poly have all High. these yes. athletes, all this type of stuff. Yes, I would assume that that was somewhat of a of a, a pressure on you, or not your pressure, yeah. maybe the allure of, hey, this is so much entertainment and sports yeah. all around here that there's this, you know, this 
pull and this call to it. So Absolutely. I would love to kind of dig into that. Yeah. So so uh, going attending Poly Poly High, the greatest high school in the in the country, oh. right? in, the, in the nation, uh, the most fabulous place to attend uh, prep school in, in the entire country. <laughs> Uh, it, it was, it, I didn't feel the the pressure necessarily. Um, but I, I knew growing up, going through school that I didn't want to play sports. Right. I was confident in that. What I did know is that I had this love for sports and then I wanted to be connected to it That's good. Uh, in a way that didn't force me to, to have to be on the field. Mm. Right. And there's still some passions that kind of well up inside of me related to the business of sports. And I have some things kind of brewing in my head. I'll probably talk to you about them <laughs> later. Uh, but uh, related to, to sports and how, um, how I can kind of shift the current landscape. Okay. So that was my thought back then, right? Looking at some of the players studying the business of sports and then trying to find ways that I can make an impact right. on the business side versus where most people want to make an impact, which is on the field. Uh, Poly was a great kind of breeding ground, so to speak, yeah, for that yeah. um, because Poly's produced the most NFL players of any high school in the in the country. Sports Illustrated it rated Poly at one point in time the uh, it was the best sports high school of the century. Wow! Um, so so <laughs> so so th this is interesting, right? Because uh, this dynamic, um, and, and for those that don't know, um, we've had Steve's brother on the podcast as well, mm -hmm. Robert White. Um, and we've, you know, we've kind of talked about some Cali stuff in there as well, but I guess, you know, it's very interesting, like this dynamic of growing up in, in an urban environment, yes. right? So, you know, I had, uh, Brandon Williams on yep. the podcast, yep. right? So he talked about, you know, growing up in new Orleans by, um, my uh, brother-in-law, he grew up in Newark, right? So you have this pool of, I would call it stereotypical urban life yeah. right of hey either you playing sports absolutely you're going into entertainment right or uh you pushing weight you know what i mean like and absolutely. so so for you growing up in long beach right uh is three brothers yep. like i mean and for people that's on a podcast like this ain't Oh, uh, downtown Long Beach sitting on the water. <laughs> this no. is like, you know, this is in the deep of it, right? Yes. Nate Dog, you know, Warren G, <laughs> Snoop, yes. you know, you know, a, a, a Dove Shack, like legit, yeah. like you, you rolling with these cats, mm -hmm. right? And so you have this opportunity to determine a path. Yeah. Right. And yeah. like you say, you already said, hey, it ain't sports. No. Nope. Um, now your family are musicians, yeah. you all can sing, yeah. you know, even your brother and, and cousins thought about yeah. starting a group and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right. So as you're sitting here being the youngest brother, how did you kind of look at all of this? Yeah. Of what Long Beach and I mean being in California has to offer yeah. and to kind of decide to go this different path. So uh my focus, I wanted to 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 chart my own path, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so my brother, my uh, Robert, yeah, did play football for Poly, yeah, and he's a you know he's considered in some circles to be a you know one of the greatest offensive linemen to ever play at Poly, right? Oh, he's I mean, never was, said that. Oh, oh my gosh, it's the truth. <laughs> really, I mean, you can get that the old offensive line coach at Poly would like tout you know mm -hmm. his his uh, his playing ability. To all of these to the younger generation mm. for for many years after he had left. I mean, the guys who went on to play, you know, major college football and in the NFL, like he would tell them, like Robert White is, you know, never gave up a sack and mm. didn't do this and would always do this. And he would bring him in to talk to the to the players. And so my other brother Andre also played football, right? Mm. So he wanted to play to play ball also. Um, but I was like, you know what? That's it's just not me. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just not me. And and uh, and so looking at some of the other external factors that you mentioned of growing up in in an urban environment, yeah, growing up in a city like Long Beach, you you have you do have the pressures to kind of like you know say, hey, you're doing music, you're yeah. going to um, uh, play sports, or you know if you're going to be cool, right? Yeah, right. Then, then the other <laughs> the other piece of that is you're, you're going to be a part of some sort of a gang. Right. Or, or like you said, pushing weight or something like mm -hmm. that to try and, and develop a reputation in order to, to 
get a, get around not being uh, a person in the in the community that that's that's you know looked over. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't. I was like, hey, you know what? I, I I felt pretty comfortable. I mean, to be honest with you, being the youngest of three, yeah, the reputation for me had already been kind of kind of set mm. uh, by my brothers. Okay, so I felt pretty comfortable growing up around the community and not having to prove you know, yourself to, to feel like I needed to prove okay. myself. Okay. Yeah. So uh, so looking at some of the things, looking at you know, uh, or being connected to Robert mm-hmm. and uh, and the the football team, uh, I was like, you know, this is the this is probably the best path for me to try to figure out ways to get connected to, to the sports uh, world um, to find out more about the business of sports and then find ways to actually plug into it. This mm. was before Jerry Maguire. Right? I, was, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't set my career based on Jerry Maguire. Like I was thinking about this in advance. Yeah. Right. And then I read some books by uh, Lee Steinberg, who was super agent, right? Like yeah. the original agent. And then a guy named Drew Rosenhaus, who represented almost all of the University of Miami at one point in time. Mm. So trying to find ways to really uh, come out of what was happening in the in the neighborhood, right. what people right. could easily fall into. I was looking around at our neighborhood. Heck, I mean, we're down there yeah. this week, just right. yesterday, right. Um, and seeing things that I'm like, I don't want to be here forever. As much as I love the city, uh, uh, there's, you know, I love the people there. Um, enjoyed growing up there, feel like it was a privilege to go to Poly. I didn't want to stay there. What, what, why? I always knew that there, I felt like there was more, right? And yeah. some of that was upbringing too, okay. right? So my parents, you know, uh, drove us to to really think differently than some of our, our you know, counterparts at school, mm-hmm. uh, where some folks were going up in, truthfully, one parent households, not right. that that's a bad thing, or that can't, that, that always signals a bad thing. Um, we had a two parent household who really instilled in us, you know, good values, right. um, and, and to be focused on, you know, having drive and determination and setting goals, uh, which we all did. And so my goals were, Hey, I, I wanted to, I was like, Hey, I want to, I want to grow a business, you know, be successful. Um, you know, and, and for, for me, you know, focus on becoming a sports agent. So, so, so so did you go away to school or did you stay in California to go to school? I stayed in California. So I initially went to, to, uh, community college in California. Mm -hmm. So we were, you know, uh, Long Beach city college. And then I pivoted from there to go to Hope International University, which, um, was, was, was near, it was, it's, it's all local, right? Everything was local. So it didn't, didn't, uh, didn't go away. I thought about going to going away at one point. Um, almost went to Tuskegee, mm. but stayed, stayed local. There are some moments, uh, where I'm like, oh, I wish I would have yeah. taken that, that HBCU route <laughs> and done that, but, but, uh, but stayed home. Um, and, uh, but I, I would encourage every single one of my kids to, to, to do, do it, do so, it differently. So, so this is interesting, right? Because, um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are kind of listening, like either one, they did go away or ones yeah. that just stayed. Um, but but even with that, right? I mean, because your whole family was there, right? Generations yeah. living in Long Beach and other parts of, of LA, uh, LA County, and, and you know, in general. How did you feel that you were getting called to go elsewhere? Because everybody was, everyone's here, right? Everyone's yeah. in Cali. So so where did that come from, right? I mean, was it just just exposure of maybe had one, you know, rogue aunt or uncle that was that lived elsewhere, right. or like where did you get this feeling for more? Yeah, you know. So so the desire to move outside of California, outside of LA County, came from my wife originally. Mm. So she is. You yeah. know, she's lived in Jamaica and New York and Vegas. I yeah. mean, she's all she's been all over yeah. the the country and and you know and and certainly outside of the country. So, um, so she was like, "We need to we, we need go. to consider leaving at some point in time." And I had this Tupac mentality, right? I was <laughs> I, I wanted to live and die in L.A. And so, uh, and we we would talk about that, and she was like, "You got to shake that." Or, mm. You know, this is not going to work. But prior to us getting married, and so. Over time, I mean, she kept, you know, saying, "Hey, planting you know, that seed." Yeah, she was. Right. She was planting the seed, and um, and eventually, in 2005, we started to have that discussion. Now, it started with um, with her planting the seed, and then the individual that I was working with um, in the sports management field was, you know, told me, "Hey, 
I think I'm going to move to Texas. He mm. was here in California. And he was like, you know, we, we may be able to set our base in Texas. And I just put earnest money down on this, <laughs> on this, uh, on this property. So it's, it's not, I may be going, I am. Going. <laughs> right. Right. And, uh, and, and he was like, I think you should consider it. Sent me the paperwork, you know, said, Hey, here's some houses. Mm. And at the time, you know, homes in Texas were like 80, some odd thousand. <laughs> and so we were like, Oh man, like this could be a really nice move for us. Yeah. Um, and so I started talking to Taj about it, about to, to my wife about it. And, and she was on board. Yeah. So in 05, we started considering the move. It didn't work out mm. in 05. He didn't end up making the move to Texas. He moved to Florida. Uh -huh. We considered that move too, but it just wasn't right for us. So then we, we ended up holding off and we moved a few years later, but it started with Taj planting the seed initially, but then really, you know, being driven by some of those those business aspects of, hey, there could be something more for us from a business perspective in Texas. So, so your business partner or the guy yep. you're working with mm -hmm. moves to Florida. Yep. Which kind of leaves you, I would assume, in a position to say, okay, what am I going to do? What am now? I going to do next? Yeah. So, what did you do? Oh man, I started I started looking and trying to figure out like what what do I do? The my the likely next step for me was recruiting. Okay, right? was recruiting in the professional world, right? Okay. Uh, because you were doing that theoretically I, for I was a sports agent. I was building recruiting plans. Yeah. Um, you know, doing what, what we call player development. Mm -hmm. So I would prep our players for interviews mm -hmm. and uh, and then I would build our, our recruiter, recruitment plans for, for the entire country. So I was like, I, I thought this is, I can't pivot from this with the strain that it was putting on my family. And then the move that was happening within the business, I can't pivot from this to another sports management firm. Got it's not it. going to work. I was making trips to Hawaii. I was in, I was going to Fresno. Uh, to We had a couple of players who were uh, in both of those locations. And my wife was, at the time, nine months pregnant. Mm. So I'm making these trips and she's getting all these pregnancy scares or uh, birth, you know, yeah. uh, labor scares and going to the hospital and I'm out of town. Yeah. It, it was creating a significant strain. But um but yeah so I, I i moved or pivoted from from uh from that right and shifted from the whole thought process of uh you know being a sports agent to you know focusing on professional recruitment and so Got i it. started just you know trying to find places to work i started looking yeah right? looking for other opportunities and um and finally found uh an opportunity honestly out it was not in hr at the time it was in sales uh, but then shortly after that, I found my first recruitment role within a professional environment was actually with a staffing agency. Okay. Um, and then hit the ground running there and haven't looked back since. And that was in 2006, seven. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so when did you all um, make the move to Texas? To, the next year, 2008. Okay. So, okay. Uh, so 2007, I made that professional move to, um, to uh, professional st or uh, in staffing mm -hmm. really, human resources. Um, and then 2008, in January of 2008, we actually moved to, to Texas. And so I transferred, I was working for a staffing company that transferred me oh, to nice. Texas. It worked out really well. Um, and, uh, and I was able to, to make a, a, a lot of great moves. And at 2008 was an interesting year. Oh, right? I mean, that's that was, real. That was, that, was the, <laughs> that was the collapse. In 2007, we saw some things happening within like Michigan and people thought it was like a, a bit of an anomaly, mm. not knowing that this was signaling really what was what a global, going to be. Yeah. yeah, this global recession that we ended up in in 2008. And so uh, I, I was blessed because um, and being in California, California was hit very hard yeah. in a way. So you kind of got a way to insulate it from a Texas, lot of that. Texas was not hit as hard. So wow. I, I was insulated. And we went from being the number 60 office in the country to the number two office in the mm -hmm. country, the Texas office. The, the California office that I was in was actually the number one office in the country. And they ended up being around 50 <laughs> the next year. Well, ain't that a blessing. I think I was the good luck charm. <laughs> I shifted it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, so, so you're in Texas, right? And, you know, obviously the family is growing and all these types of things. Um, and, you know, I assume that your 
feel or your desire for more continues yeah. to push in there, right? Yeah. And so, you know, the theme of this podcast is ABL, right? Yeah. Always be looking, which, <laughs> you know, for, and we'll dig into that a lot more, but, um, you know, kind of, you, I don't want to say that you seem like a, a rolling stone gathers no moss because you're not that uh, a, a nimble or mobile, yeah. um, but but you you are never in a place of seeming um, to be complacent yeah. per se, right? Um, so what what kind of drove that? And then as you've been making your other moves, where did you kind of coin in your own life? ABL always be looking, and it just just as a a side note for those, so. You know, I met Steve probably, I don't know, we moved to Texas in 2010, so probably 2012, yeah. 2013 uh-huh. or so. Um, uh, and, you know, so we met you and you you and your wife and just, you know, hanging out and kicking. And I don't know how we got in a conversation about career paths and things <laughs> like that. But he was like, man, ABL. I'm like, what? He's like, always be looking. You know, <laughs> like, always refreshing the resume. Yeah. Always, you know, engaging on LinkedIn or you know yeah. whatever type of networking, etc. Do you feel that that is a uh, a byproduct of kind of just what you did from a um, you know a sports recruitment perspective, sports agent side, or you know where do you feel that that kind of generated that? Um, anti-complacency yeah. trait in your in your life i think it was driven professionally okay. mostly right so starting with the with with being in the sports world mm-hmm. knowing that you know you can be phenomenal yeah and nothing's final mm. right i mean you look at emmett smith mm. not finishing his, his career with the dallas cowboys and jerry rice not finishing his with the 49ers I mean, that makes that shakes you, right? I mean, as phenomenal as those guys were and as as um, well as they contributed to their organizations um, and at, at the at the level in which they did, their teams still were okay with getting rid of them. That's, I, I, had, I had to take a note there. Phenomenal, but not final. That's that's good. Wow. I mean, I, watching it in sports was it's it's just it's wild. I mean, you can see a guy you know perform really well one year mm-hmm. for a team and then become a cap casualty, so yeah. a salary cap casualty, right? Uh, where they're costing the team too much money, and if they cut this particular player, they could take a small salary cap hit, mm-hmm. lose that player. And then, you know, try to pick up a few more. But this individual is like giving so much to the organization. Wow. But the organization didn't give, yeah. you know, back to them. So uh, that was the start of it. The other part was uh, working in staffing, right? You, you, I worked with tons of different companies, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that anyone who's starting their career in HR should probably consider, especially if you want to do talent acquisition, should probably consider staffing first. Mm. Because it gives you such a broad perspective on recruitment and a great understanding of how, you know, different companies recruit. Right. It gives you, you know, a real good breadth and depth of knowledge within that particular field. And so I would see, you know, a lot of different people come into our office. So everyone from, you know, folks who are like um, administrative professionals mm-hmm. to um, to like executive level folks. Right. And sometimes they, especially during the recession, right? Uh, A lot of people ended up being, um, you know, just losing their their employment. Um, And people who have spent 15, 20 years with the Mm. company and then seeing other companies say, well, this individual, you know, spent too much time with this company. (laughs) And, you know, they probably have too many bad habits from this organization. Wow. And they wouldn't want to give certain people an opportunity and and would, you know, uh, really think negatively about how loyal mm. employees have been wow. to their, you know, previous employer. And I found that to be really interesting. So looking at both of those things in my professional life, I was just like, you know what? I, yeah, I'm not going to be in this situation to where, you know, I'm going to be stuck mm. with an organization that you know cares less about me than i do about it um so i started thinking like (laughs) always be looking right so people have you know the the abc always be closing yeah uh in sales uh and i'm like 
as an employee. Yeah. I think everybody should have the mindset of always be looking. Yeah, that's good. And I mean, you're going to have internal opportunities in your current organization. Yeah. But there's a lot of external opportunities that people can look into. And I'm not saying you just make a move just for the sake of making a move. But you really have to consider, hey, what's best for me, you know, in my professional career long term? I think about some of the moves that I made in my career, um, you know, pivoting from staffing to, to going into corporate recruitment. Right. Um, it was a risk. It was a risk. And it was a risk that with that organ with the organization that I went to didn't pan out. Right. Mm. It didn't pan out directly with that organization. So that organization ended up having some some shaky financial situations, but it springboarded me to the next job, right? Which I was totally comfortable with. I'm right. like, I don't need to be here forever. So uh, this is this is good, right? I mean, you you can have some people that look at this and be like, hey, there, there's a there's a value in loyalty. Right. If you're saying, hey, right. I hear that, but I've been on the staffing side where it's like, hey, you can be here for 25 years and the company just cut you, just like. Yeah. Emmett Smith or Jerry Rice, right? right. Um, but you have the other people on the other side. They're like, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm risk averse, right?" And right. through this, through this process in Texas, as I brought it up, I mean, y'all, y'all three kids down now, right? <laughs> You're working through all of these things, right? And you know, at the time, Taj was staying at home, yeah, right? Absolutely. So, how are you? How did you balance uh, the ABL side yeah. of your yeah. yourself? The restlessness side mm-hmm. and you know i'm not necessarily going to be uh completely beholden to this company right versus saying hey man i still gotta take care of home because right. i'm the the chief breadwinner right um you know how, how have you balanced that in your life that's where it gets tricky um because you know the the you try to separate your work life and your professional yeah. life but the two marry together really right quickly right. right and mostly because of some of those situations it's like hey you know, I work for this company. They give me a paycheck. It takes care of my family. <laughs> right. They're intertwined. Right. <laughs> so uh, I have to consider that quite a bit. In 2016, I almost made a move from my current company mm. to another company. And so uh, and, and 2016 was actually the year mm. that I started with that co- with the current company. So so you was I, out almost. In a, oh, almost, I mean, it was I started in January. I was supposed to start with this other company in December. I mean, mm. I got as far as accepting the offer and finalizing a start date. Wow. Now, the my my current employer was like, hey, no, don't leave, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to fix the situation. The environment was really toxic. Got it. Um, so I was like, I, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had shifted over to this, this organization from, I was working for FedEx at the time. So I was leading a team at FedEx supply chain. Mm. I left that role to go to a recruiter role. Mm. So I took a, uh, what would be considered a professional step backward yeah. in order to try and, you know, move mm. forward because FedEx is a massive organization, right. bigger than the organization I work for now about by like 300,000 employees. <laughs> but one of the things that I realized about this, the division that I was working for is that if I if I wanted to grow, I would have to go to Pittsburgh, mm. and I didn't want to do that. So thinking about the family yeah. again, right? Yeah. And and at the time having a teenager, and you know moving a teenager from you know where he was right. in Texas to Pittsburgh. Come on, <laughs> I, I mean I think my kids would have totally like there would yeah. have been a coup, and Taj probably would have just said, "Hey, you know what? You go to Pittsburgh. Right, we'll stay here. We're gonna stay here." And I, I didn't want that. I've actually seen that with some other yeah. families, and I think that's that could be crazy. But um, but I, I I I noticed that you know this is this is not going to be where I grow, mm. um, and so I needed to make a move. So I pivoted from there to this company to say. Hey, the 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 company that I work for now, the division is headquartered mm. in Texas, in Fort Worth. Yeah, so that works out really well. There's a ton of growth opportunity there, so I took that risk mm. and made that decision to pivot from that to to this to the current company that I'm in. Now, when I came over in 2016, like I said, the the culture was toxic. It was a bit rough, so I. I I thought, hey, I left a leadership position, which yeah. I'm passionate about, 
for this, you know, for future growth. And there's probably mm, not right. going to be any because this place is just completely <laughs> crazy. Um, so I was, I started looking. Yeah. Um, and I had some friends who were like, Hey, and I, I knew the president of the, the company that's actually, you know, uh, Sally beauty. Mm. Right. And Sally's headquartered, you know, just what, 20 minutes from where we lived. Got it. So I was like, I'll go to work for Sally. Yep. Went and, and uh, uh, interviewed, got the job, told my boss I was leaving. And he was like, no, don't go. Mm. Don't go. We'll we'll work something out to keep you. I ended up staying and it worked out well. But that doesn't mean that, you know, yeah. any future opportunities will be. So so this, this is interesting, right? Because, I mean, there, there are two, two parts of this, right? Um, the one side of it that is, uh, hey, as a employee, right, that, you know, you are evaluating what's best for yeah. you and you're you're always looking. And I want to kind of get into your principles yeah. on how you determine it's time to look. Um, but the other side of it is that you also have to be an employee worth retaining. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, to, 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 yeah. to that point, right, because I, I think a lot, a lot of people might listen to it and be like, heck, yeah, I'm out. Right, right. You know, I don't need to stay around. Yeah. But but, but part of this is right that, that I, I would assume that some of the freedom or the ability to implement ABL, always be looking, yeah. is the fact that you, I don't want to say that you have a safety net, but you, you're in a position of, um, of empower is probably the wrong word, but you're, you're in a position of leverage. Yeah. And, and making these decisions versus, you know, you can't sit here and say, I'm always looking or I'm, I'm out here, you know, looking to make a move if you're halfway out the door at your company anyway, because of your right. performance and things like that. So, right. um, you know, how do you put yourself in a position to have that leverage that your, you know, employer is like, hey, don't go. We will do things better. Yeah. Well, what, what, what has driven that for you or has been successful for you? No, you know what? You were so, you, you hit the nail on the head when you started talking about, uh, and I should have clarified that earlier, <laughs> you know, don't just try to walk away from your current company if you're not, you know, a uh, hardworking, high-performing yeah. individual, yeah. right? Because that's not going to change, Yeah, you know, if you go over to another company. Right. You're just going to take whatever bad behavior – whatever bad practices you have over to this new organization, and then you'll end up in the same situation. Mm. So what ends up happening in that, in that situation is that you take a, uh, you know, any employee who may not be performing up to potential to a new organization that could have a great culture. And then that individual can essentially start to bring that culture and workplace down. And so I would say, Hey, you know, work on, um, work on your, work on your, your work ethic, mm. um, and your own, um, uh, uh, abilities to, to perform within the job. So the three things that I would, I would say related to that are relationships, results, readiness. Ooh. So, okay. Um, relationships. If you're not taking notes, write this down. <laughs> <laughs> relationships, results, readiness. Right. Mm. And so, Build great relationships, make connections with the people in your company. Uh, Carla Harris is, uh, you know, one of the the few, maybe only uh, black black female executives on Wall Street. Yeah. Talks about um, relationship currency mm-hmm. and she talks about relationship currency in a way that uh, that, you know, where she talks about it from a, a stock or mm-hmm. an investment perspective. That's good. Where she said it doesn't have diminishing returns. You build good relationships, it'll carry you a long way, right? Mm. You make the right connections and uh, and then you'll have sponsors and individuals in rooms who actually speak on your behalf That's good. and speak well on your behalf, right? So that piece is important, building really good relationships within the organization. So whether it be within your function, so within your own department and then interdepartmentally, right? Okay. So making those connections outside of the department because you want to, you want to make those connections in other departments within your company because then those people are advocates for you. Absolutely. Yeah. They're going to have conversations with the people in your department who are res- responsible for rating and promoting you. Yeah. Uh, so make make those deep connections. The relationship, relationships are key. Right. And then the results piece. Carla Harris also talks about performance currency. Right. Mm. So performance currency is a really, really big deal. The relate the results part. 
uh, of it. Um, and, and you, you have to relationships start, start everything off. I had one uh, employee on my team who said, uh, you have that backwards, mm -hmm. right? You have that upside down. It should be results, you know, then relationships and then readiness. And I'm like, no results without, uh, relationships are, are transactions Ooh. and you don't want a transactional, uh, relationship at work. Right. At times we do mm. that, but that makes you no different than the individual at McDonald's when you're going to pick up some, some fries. Right. I want to be an individual who actually provides uh consultative value. That's good. To the people around me. That's right? good. So results are important, but they come second to relationships. And so, um, but the relationships are just, you know, high fives and friendships if you're not actually doing mm, the work right right <laughs> you right. have to you have to get some work done otherwise people will be like oh this person's a really nice person person they're fantastic <laughs> but that's all yeah. right yeah they, they they don't add any value to the organization so really you know producing the result um and saying hey i i was asked to do this or tasked with this but I'm not going to, you know, stop with what I'm tasked right, with. Right. I'm going to deliver on that well above what, mm. what I've been asked to do. Um, and then the readiness piece, I think, is really important. And I think sometimes can get overlooked, right? People build relationships. They they work hard. But then it's like, hey, continue to mm. improve, right? And try to find ways to improve on your overall delivery. That's good. Uh, so whether it be, uh, we were talking about this the other day. Um, uh, emotional intelligence, right. right? So whether it be emotional intelligence and improving on that, finding ways to say, hey, how can I make, you know, better connections? How mm -hmm. can I improve on, you know, my introductions and, and you know, that initial, you know, contact? Um, how can I, you know, uh, uh, develop and, and, and build stronger and deeper relationships with the people? Like if you feel like, you know, I have been building relationships, but they seem like they're really surface level. Take that time to really improve your readiness and and try to find out like, okay, why am I stopping here? That's right. Good. So That's good. evaluating. Uh, there's a, a seminary professor uh, named Howard Hendricks who says, um, who said, uh, experience doesn't make you better. Only evaluated experience makes you better. <laughs> and I think that is really important, right? Where at often at times we don't work on improving our readiness or we don't evaluate what we're doing. And so from a relationships piece, evaluating the relationships and then evaluating like the delivery, right? So evaluating the work, evaluating the, the process, and right. evaluating the overall result to say, how can I improve the delivery for the next on the next go around? This is really good because, you know, I've done a lot of a, a fair bit of hiring in my in my career yes. as I've grown my teams, depending on which ones I've been on. Uh, and you talk about the experiences make you better, but only evaluate the experience. I think is really, really interesting because one of the things that is a pet peeve of mine. You know, I typically ask people to bring in not only the resume, but also business plan when they're coming to the nice. interview. But then it's like people can't speak to it. Right. It's like, hey, tell me about a time that you did this. Right. Well, if you put together a good business plan and you have a good resume that you can pull from those examples, evaluating, you know, your experiences exactly. and able to leverage that into answering any questions you have. But people can't do that. They have this challenge. So I want right. to flip it because you, you kind of gave me given some really good um, uh, homework, I would say, for <laughs> those that, that are that want to grow their career path or be more marketable, things yeah. like that. But you're also on the other side of it, right? You are a talent acquisition expert, right? This is <laughs> yeah, what you do. Yeah. You've been acquiring talent for, mm -hmm. for decades yeah, now, right? right? So as a talent acquisition expert, what are you looking at from the other side of the table, right? So, so you've just given me some keys to leverage, you know, make myself more yeah. marketable. Now on the other side of the table, what are you looking at as far as um, key traits, or even red flags yeah. that makes you, that that helps you that aids in your decision making on acquiring talent. Right. Um, I, first and foremost, I mean, when I'm looking at someone's resume, and and I always tell people this: people don't read resumes; they skim them. Right. Yep. So, yep. so do your best to to create a resume that that is is that interviews well or speaks well of you before you ever have an opportunity to speak for That's yourself. Good. Right. So your, your resume has to do a great job of, of being your spokesperson right? yeah. and interviewing for you early on. Um, and if, if that doesn't happen, 
then you'll never get an opportunity to really speak for yourself. Mm. So, you know, of course, uh, simply put from a, just a resume building perspective, um, you know, a, a compelling summary of your career bullet points, you know, <laughs> in each of your, your, um, your jobs, um, and then quantifying everything on your resume, mm. right. Uh, or as much as you can. That's good. Right. That's so, good. uh, if you, you know, increased sales, like how much did you increase sales right. by? Right. Don't just um, say I let people sell product. That's right. good. Everybody did that. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like we need you to, cause yeah, you, you could have done it really poorly. Right. right? And so people want to know, like people are looking at a resume saying, Hey, what's in it for me? Mm. Right? It's the whole with them factor. Right. And people want to know, like, what am I going to get mm. if I were to hire you? Mm. And is it worth my time to interview you? Mm. And so quantifying on a resume is so key. So when I start the whole evaluation process, that's where I start with, okay, what is this individual saying? Like, what are they communicating? And are they communicating, you know, effectively? Yeah, yeah. And if someone is not, then, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it based on, like, did they explain what they did or did they just uh, copy a job description right. <laughs> and put the bullets from their previous yeah. job description yeah. into their resume? That doesn't help me anymore mm. because what you're telling me is this is what your last company expected of you, but you don't really mention what you actually delivered. <laughs> so like, did you meet the expectations? Did you exceed them? Mm. Like, help me understand this. So that helps me to, to try and figure out like, okay, what's a person's mindset, right? As they're, they're searching for a new job. So, so, so once, once you get past the paper, yep. right. And somebody uh, uh, is blessed to be able to sit across the table from you. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, what, 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 imp- I don't say what impresses you because, yeah. you know, but, but what draws you in? Is it the compelling story? Is it, uh, the ability just to be succinct, succinct with answers? You know, what, what are those things that as you've seen across the years, it's been like, Hey man, this, this actually plays well wherever yeah. I've I've seen it, that this has been the thing that's made me, you know, uh, either heads off, heads on. I'm just going to hire this person yeah. or it has generated additional interest that made you sit up in your seat and say, oh, man, this is actually pretty cool. Right. And I, I feel like I, I I'm not tooting my own horn. <laughs> I feel like I hire well. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I. I I hope everybody listening would, would hope so, uh, considering the field that I'm in. Right. Because if I can't evaluate talent, then something's wrong, right? I probably right. don't need to be in my seat. Um, but but energy and a- energy and attitude is where I start, yeah. right? Yeah. And I don't mean bouncing off the walls energy because I don't have that. Right. That honestly would probably make me a bit exhausted uh because watching someone else do it i'd be like oh geez like, this is this is exhausting it, 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 admirable but but exhausting um but energy and, and attitude initially right yeah. those are the first two things like how is an individual you know presenting themselves yeah uh i'm i'm still one of those folks who come dressed very well to an energy. Right. Those things are, they, those are meaningful to me, but energy and attitude are the start of it. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, um, I, I want individuals to answer questions in a very succinct way, be detailed, but brief with your mm. answers. Right. And I know that sounds a bit oxymoronic, but you have to provide enough details, but you can't go 30 minutes yeah. per answer. Right? right. And that also allows you know, you don't understand, okay, if this person were to present in front of whomever, mm. like, can, can I trust them yeah, to do that? Yeah, right. Yeah. Can I, can I put this in their hands to, to own a client group in situations? Um, you know, in my current company, we have, I've, I've had individuals who've managed, you know, multiple client groups at once. And so that's like a function of like the manufacturing department mm. along with, you know, um, the sustainment department, right. And you got these two different, you know, functions that individuals are, are responsible for leading and recruiting for, and you're dealing with everyone, yeah. middle managers, all the way up to the executives. And so you're evaluating this person can, yeah. can function, survive, right. really thrive in this environment right. based on the way that they can actually answer some simple questions. Absolutely. How do you respond? Right. Listening to the answers and, you know, of course, understanding some of those, like you, you gave an example of a behavioral question. 
Um, like tell me about a time when, yeah. uh, and so really evaluating like, okay, what was, what is that response? And does that line up with the culture, you know, yeah. here yeah. And, and the behaviors that we want to see, but additionally, does the response that you provided, um, or will, will that response actually, um, or the way you respond, the way you speak, the way you communicate, will that resonate with, with our team? This is, this is interesting. So I would have to think that. Somewhere along the lines, being in talent management, talent acquisition, staffing along the way that mm-hmm. for you, that you probably loathe like job interviews, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, so, oh, so yeah. it's interesting, right? Because oh, yeah. most HR people, if you know, at a company, like they're at that company, they stay there, yeah. right? They aren't going anywhere else. It's like HR people, in my perspective are the people who have the most contacts. Like, you know, every HR person in your field, right? right? right. Like legit, like benchmarking for you is talking to somebody down the street, you know, at the other company, at a literally a competing right. company or a better Absolutely. company saying, hey, what are you guys doing? This, this, and this. Right. Like, I'm sure it's easy just to be like, oh yeah, by the way, here's my resume. Yeah. Um, how, how do you, well, one, is it exhausting for you? Like, do yeah. you loathe it? And then how do you overcome that fatigue in your mind? I do. I, I really don't like interviewing. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's it's the it's a mental it provides a mental exhaustion. For yeah. Me or really, you know, kind of drains me mentally because I'm thinking like, all right, shoot, I've got to rethink all these Everything. things that I've done. Yeah. Right. And try to give a variety of experiences to an individual. So I'm not just, you know, drawing from one well. Right. But yeah. Multiple wells since I've you know been since I've worked for, you know, multiple or several companies. So that's the, the, the hard part. And, and it does come down to, to being, you know, it, it does feel a bit exhausting, but once you, once I start, you at, you're in there and I'm in, and that's the, the, the challenge that I share with leaders in every organization that I've ever worked for. Like the, the scary part is when you're hiring someone, mm. you have to be able to make a quick decision mm. because even if the person wasn't looking before they interviewed with you, mm. They probably are now That's because good. once the, I always say the blood gets pumping, mm. right? I know that happens with me and I've seen it happen with a lot of other folks. You feel like, okay, I've got that first one under my belt. I feel like I did really well in it. Yeah. Why, probably, it? why stop here? Yeah. Right. There could be a whole lot more yeah. opportunities out here that could even be better than this one. Let me continue to look. So once I get past that first, that first hump, I'm, I feel pretty good about it. And I'm, I'm ready to, <laughs> I can go ready. interview a marathon for a while, but then, but then, you know, you gotta, you go through that and then you're like, all right, I can stop. I, I can need stop to take now. a break for however long and then go back to it. <laughs> so, so this is interesting, right? Um, yeah, I want to kind of pivot towards yeah. extraordinary gentlemen, uh, uh, stats here. Um, and if anybody's listening thus far, if you have not, uh, touched up your resume, uh, improved your performance at work, and evaluated the way that you communicate uh, for these last few minutes, then you don't even need to listen to the rest of the podcast. <laughs> just, just start, you know, start from the beginning again. Um, but in all of this, right, you are a very chill person. Like in, 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 in my mind, I would assume that like in your role and what you do is analytics all the time. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And that one would think that an HR person would be not only, you know, very personable, the person that you can talk to at the water cooler all the time, right? And things like that. But you, you, you are very chill, but very selective about things. Um, and so, I, I want to kind of dig into a few of those characteristics that you have. First, let's talk about style, right? Because when you spoke about a person needs to come into a room, like you know, I, I'm sure that you you have that evaluative piece in there. Yeah. And a, a funny story here. The reason I want to start there is because the first time that I heard about you again. Uh, uh, those speaking about you in the room before you was talking to either one or two of your brothers. And I know definitely that, that Rob was like, Hey, when you meet Steve, you can be like, Oh man, he clean. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, then he said, but he's not going to tell you where he got any of his clothes <laughs> from. <laughs> so don't ask. Right. Right. Um, and so how did you develop, uh, you know, in your, you know, in this world, because it kind of seems like your personal yeah. life is not necessarily necessarily one eighty completely from your your professional world, right. but like 
if someone were to engage with you, they wouldn't think you were an HR and all right, that type of stuff. Right. So, so where did you develop this this personal style and you know this exclusivity that you've you know created around it, right? Because right. I mean, all the way back to the beginning of the podcast, like you grew, you grew up in Long Beach. Yeah, like anybody grew up in an urban environment. You know, there there's certain colors that you wear, certain yes. styles that you do, and most to stay alive, most of the time you just are very neutral. That's so true. Right? Or you are known for something and people kind of let you be. That's so true. Right. So I mean, theoretically, you could just be wearing all black your whole life for right. us to be neutral, right? Right, right. Right. Um, so how did you develop your personal style and how have you kind of retained the exclusivity of yeah. you know what you do and everything like that? Yeah, so so personal style, um, since I was a kid, like mm. when I say kid, I mean like single digits, somewhere really? like seven or so. Uh, my parents would laugh because I would, um, we would, you know, you, you take the the, the pictures, mm-hmm. right? And everybody, especially in our uh, our age group, right? They, you you go into a, a portrait studio right. or whatever it right. is, and you take these family pictures. Everybody gets an individual picture, um, and so I I would want I would request. <laughs> to you know hey i need to wear this and have this on and you know <clears throat> there was one time where you know i was like hey I, there's a there's a ring that I, i'd like to wear uh, on my pinky and, and so it was it was kind of funny i mean i would, I would, I would <laughs> right right that was driven by the long beach culture I'm sure. so so yeah I, I i since i was younger right and then um i i've 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 always tried to to find ways to I, I, I like looking nice. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I subscribe to the Deion Sanders philosophy of, you know, look good, feel good, feel good, play good, play good, pay good. You know, and he goes on and on and on. Right. But uh, but I do. I mean, I, I feel like, hey, if I if I do look good, if my yeah. clothes are nice, if they fit well, you know, or if they feel nice, um, then I'll feel good. Yeah. Right. That's good. I mean, haircuts the same. I walk out of the barber shop and I feel like I can take over the world, mm. you know, after a really nice haircut. So those just, just you know, looking nice, having you know, uh, nice things makes just, just kind of. I feel like it gives, it can give an individual an extra edge. It certainly does for mm. me. Right? Mm. And you're super stylish as you're uh, ascribing this to me. But, uh, <laughs> y'all should have seen French yesterday. It's just, or all the time. Out of the the. The picture on uh, on the the front cover of the podcast no, is 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 good, <laughs> but but doesn't tell half the story. All right, all right, hype Williams, hype Williams. Thank you, thank you for your time here. So no. so <laughs> so um so the the other piece that I think is very <laughs> interesting about you is like I, I truly consider you a connoisseur, right? You know, a person that we can sit down, have conversations yeah, yeah. with, you know, and, and do all these things. Um, and, you know, sitting down with you and Taj and talking with the family, talking about all these things like, hey, these are the things that we look forward to. These are things right. that we ascribe to. How do you, again, balance your um, your expectations right. of like, hey, even from a clothing perspective, from a yeah. travel perspective, from an experience perspective, yeah. like you ascribe to ABL even in those, yeah. you know, yeah. realms. Uh, but then being able to balance on the backside of, you know, resources or things like that. How do you evaluate what's the the next best experience to take, right? And wow. and not to be in a overly analytical piece. And I could I'll say for me, yeah. like my wife is like, hey, yes, we can go on a trip. Right. I'm like, all right, great. What are the parameters? We can go for a week, bet. Right. All right. Now are we using points or are we spending money? <laughs> right, all right, right, great. If we're using points, okay, I have a hundred thousand airline miles right. and hundred and fifty thousand, you know, hotel points or more, bet. Right. And she's right. All, her, her criteria is a beach. Right. Right. right so I'm right. like, Insane. perfect. I'm with her. I can, <laughs> we can go across the globe. There are beaches everywhere. Right. So I will spend, I will right. spend, you know, two months and come up with a detailed spreadsheet of right. saying, okay, look, I know you said you just wanted to go to Florida, but for the same amount of points, we could end up in right. Tahiti. Right. 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 And she's like, no, I just want to go to Florida. Right. I'm like, hey, if we just go one extra day because I just got to account for time change. These are all these things. Right. Yep. So how do you balance that in your your yeah. realm of like, hey, I know I want more. I want to see more, do yeah. more, be more. How do you balance that with kind of your um, with essentially the, your your resources and everything like that? Man, that's that's an interesting one. That's a good question. Uh, I would I would say that like as i as i think about 
um, like you, you mentioned the ABL piece. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly trying to, to find ways to evolve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just tossed most of my, like 80% of my closet. Mm. Right. And so I'm like, all right, it's time to replenish, uh, my clothes because I want to change, yeah. change things up, kind of, you know, improve certain aspects. Of how, how often do you think that you, you, uh, you purge? Um, every like couple, that every couple of years, mm. every couple of years, Taj may say every year, but <laughs> it's not true. She's but. exaggerating. <laughs> she is totally exaggerating, <laughs> but every couple of years I'll do it mm. uh, because I want to, I want to continue to evolve, trying to find, That's you know, good. That's trying good. to find new ways to, to, you know, continue to improve myself. So thinking about, I mean, some of the other aspects, um, most of the time Taj and I on, on, are on the same page, mm. right? So we we're thinking about different things. I'm, I'm, with y'all, I'm like I'm like cat. I like to uh, I like a beach destination, but like you said, there are beaches all all across the globe. So uh, for me, oftentimes it's it's uh, I'm I'm trying to consider and balance out. Like all right, shoot, you know yeah. we can go uh, to you know this destination in the Caribbean, yeah. right? And knowing that Taj is not going to want to pay more than <laughs> whatever amount right right so she's going to always be cost con conscious yeah but she wants these experiences too so trying to balance those things out is th that's where the toughest mm -hmm. um real piece comes in for me is just trying to to convince her and sell her on hey let's 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 do more it out a little bit yeah. let's do more yeah um and then you know now she's at a point where she's like hey let's let's go here let's yeah. go there let's go yeah. to spain let's go to greece that's good um but of course i mean the 2020 this is <laughs> perfect time to travel i think she's i think she's toying with me a little bit right. she's like well we can't travel hey i really want to go to greece right. sure you do right. all of these places i've always wanted to go let's make this happen let's go oh i'm sorry there's a global pandemic yeah. we can't do anything we can't go in july 2020 yeah. no <laughs> so this is good so so last question um what's next Right. What's next for you? You're always looking, right? Yes. So I, I'm, I assume that there's not necessarily yeah. a, an articulated path that you've laid out for yourself yeah. and say, hey, you know, at 50, I plan to retire at, you know, this company with a pension or, you know, a fully loaded, you know, uh, 401k and I'm good to go. But so the traditional question of what's mm -hmm. next is probably not fair for you. But um, where do you aspire to be? Yeah. Oh, man, that's a great question. So. I'm going to, I'm going to answer that question and answer a question that you asked earlier too. Okay. So, um, that I didn't answer yet. So you mentioned what are some of the factors yeah. of ABL, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, culture, career compensation, right? Those three things. That's good. That's um, good. Real big on company culture, right? That's the, that's the most important piece. Yeah of um of where i think anyone should start mm -hmm. even if you feel like culture isn't high on you know your your list of things that really drive how you select an employer everyone is is you know you feel comfortable in a certain environment yeah, right yeah um so you may not have a desire to be in like this fun you know employee centric type culture mm -hmm. but what culture are you looking for That's good. so really define that for yourself um, and then, uh, career, right. What, what sort of career growth, which, which, you know, you just asked about, so what sort of career growth, uh, are you looking for? What, yeah. what opportunities do you want to see for yourself? Um, and is the current company or, you know, uh, providing that for you? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or, and as you're looking, are you looking at opportunities that provide that for you? That's good. Right. And so, you know, really finding where you are in your career and what, what means most, to you as you're considering your next move. Like I said, there's been, there've been moves where I've taken $30,000 pay cuts mm. to make, right? Because yeah. the culture was toxic mm. the culture was important to me. So I had to make a move and go way back yeah. in order to, you know, to go forward, forward yeah. right. And, uh, and it, it was, it felt rough at the time, but it worked out extremely well Yeah. Uh, in the end. And then, you know, going back to, the, that that piece i mean the compensation piece yeah um you know really deciding like you know am i being compensated you know in a in a way that i feel like is um is is it, you know provides or that makes me feel valued it's, by your we, we, we can keep going on this but i but, <laughs> and I, as i'm sitting here i'm like man we we probably should do a career series or like yeah. uh, but 
Are those three weighted equally? I think it would. I think it would depend on the individual. Right? Okay. So for me, um, culture is is number one. Yeah. Right. Because I'm like, if I'm not going to be happy in a place, it's yeah. going to impact the rest of my life. Yeah. Right. It's going to affect. I've been in that place before. Yeah. It'll affect my family. It'll affect my performance. Um, so, uh, I culture is key. Yeah. Um, then I, I would. I honestly would at this point in time. You know, say okay, career growth would would be second for me, um, and compensation would be third. But I, I, I'm going to weigh career growth and compensation pretty darn close. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's going to be pretty darn close because um, if you do, if 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 you're you know going to a company or working for a company that you know is providing you with with growth opportunities hopefully they're compensating you yeah. in line with that path. Right. Uh, and if not, maybe it's something that you, you know, evaluate if that matters to you. It does to me. <laughs> yeah, it does to me. So I want to make sure, you know, those things, those two things are, are in line. I, I think they're really close though. Yeah. They're really close good. because I, I'm not going to work for a company that has a phenomenal culture, but pays poorly. No, yeah. there's no way. I mean, I've, I've had some conversations with some folks. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple of, of companies who have said, you know, hey, we'd love for you to come work here. Here's the the starting pay. And I've had to say, no, culture sounds fantastic. The company sounds great. I mean, they're like, hey, you know, we'll, we have beer kegs on the sixth floor and you know, <laughs> we got this and this and this. And, you know, you can just go up to the sixth floor, at, you know, at noon and go hang, hang out. out. Yeah. And but I'm like, well. If you increased your compensation a bit, I, I'm okay with you eliminating the sixth floor. Right. <laughs> we don't need the sixth floor. Yeah. Pay us all well. Yeah, yeah. If you started putting that that keg budget in everybody's checks, so so yeah, I, I, yeah. I would say, I mean, those those things are 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 really close. Yeah, they're really close in my opinion. So so where do you, so where do you aspire to be? Yeah. You know, and you know, is it is it there or is it truly like, hey, now that I've gleaned all of this, yeah. I, I want to essentially be in the position that I, you know, back where I started, right. That I'm doing this thing on my own or, yeah. or having much more control or, or do you see yourself still just, you know, you know, every, whatever cadence it becomes that yeah. you are able to kind of ABL your way until retirement. Yeah. I think, uh, I think for the next several years or, you know, probably the next decade, I, yeah. I, I plan on ABLing yeah. um, and continuing <laughs> to grow the career and you know working on you know increasing the, yeah. the the career and compensation right yeah that's good um and i think those two those things are important however uh i would like to to do some things uh on my own that's why yeah no it'd be good to, we'll have to connect we have on, to on some things. cut the podcast uh, yeah 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 because i've got some things that i, <laughs> that I do want to want to chat with you about and i think uh, I, i'd like your perspective on it um and it's it's sports related, right? Yeah. That's that's a part of where my passion yeah. is. So I would like to do something with your passion. Yeah, eventually go back to, to where the passion is. Man, this is one for the next time we on here. I want to talk about how often do you think people's paths oh, don't man. align with their passion? Man, yes. And what that what that mentally does to people. But yeah. whew, that's good for now. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Man. Oh, thank you for having me. You thank know, you for having me. I, I would tell you how much of a pleasure it is, but then you'll tell me I'm just hyping it. Hype so. Williams. <laughs> As he's going to be. Not? Thank you for joining my podcast with Hype Williams himself. <laughs> um, nah, this was great. And I hope that each and every one of you all enjoyed this conversation. Got some really good nuggets just about your own personal growth. Again, man, like, and I, I'll, I'll take a point of personal privilege here. When I first started the podcast, I literally was having a conversation with Robert. And he was like, man, y'all move in, blah, blah, blah. You should really start a podcast because we sit literally, right. the conversations that we have, right? Me yeah. and him, me and you, yeah. you know, me and others, we're talking about things about, you know, fractional jet ownership. We're talking about live modal, like all of these, right. these luxury things that, you know, hey, how do you do this? at a regular person's lifestyle, right? Absolutely. Where, you know, I indulge in all these things. It's like, oh yeah, we can get on a podcast and talk about this. Um, and say, like, hey, this is the connoisseurism. Uh, but this podcast is really pivoted towards like literally having these conversations, these dinner table conversations, these, yeah. you know, uh, you know, conversations you would have at the bar or something that really expound your mind and your thought. And right. it's really just pretty cool to kind of see how 
how it is. I mean, we, we, we is. still talk whiskey. We talk all these types of things. But, like, a fine industry lifestyle is made up of these type of conversations. It's right. made up of this exposure to help you become better uh, in all facets of your life. So, uh, I hope that you all have enjoyed this, have been enjoying it along the way. Uh, please, uh, if you have not yet, rate, review, like, share, subscribe. If you are on Apple, I really, really, really would appreciate you uh, giving some ratings on there as far as some reviews. It helps get the information out there. It helps get the podcast more audiences. And then obviously on social and whatever way that you share, share this out. Let people hear these conversations because it'll really help uh, to change some people's lives and and give you some things to kind of uh, chew on and get better at with your life. So uh, we thank you all for, for tuning in and being a part. And we'll see you guys after a while.